Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. My name's Eric Wicklund, and I'm the Technology and Innovation Editor here at Health Leaders. Today, we're talking to Harvey Castro, a physician, author, healthcare consultant, CEO, CMO, serial entrepreneur, who's considered one of the leading experts in AI. He's also a strategic advisor for CHEP. GPT and healthcare. And that's what we're going to focus on here specifically. How are health systems and hospitals looking at chat GPT and the open AI technology? And, and what should healthcare leaders be thinking about as they jump on this, this rapidly moving bandwagon? Hello, Harvey. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining me today. Um, it's This is certainly a very popular topic, um, but it's as I said, it's it's fast moving. We haven't really, uh, this technology itself hasn't really been around until for the, I, it really emerged on the scene about a year ago, maybe a little less than a year ago. Um, it's the new kid on the block. So how are you seeing this particular technology affecting healthcare? You know, I, I gotta give a quick backstory. Um, mm -hmm. I was playing with ChatGPT. Uh, it was earlier when it first came out in November 2022 and I was so amazed that I said let me write a book on the subject and I was the first person in the world uh, to just talk about this and it's because of all the uses and so how do I see it right now I mean honestly I, I sincerely see it uh, changing every single sector of healthcare and obviously other industries but but you're uh, on wanting to know you know what kind of things do you see now I mean mm -hmm. The low hanging fruit to me is uh, just using it for virtual assistance for telemedicine, being able to have that power of ChatGPT help uh, our hospital systems with making better scheduling, helping us with appointments. Um, uh, other things that I've been seeing a lot lately is uh, clinical support in that uh, there's AIs that I'll call it the off-label use. There's there's uh, AIs out there that, and specifically, let's just say ChatGPT4, uh, where doctors, even though the administrators are saying, hey, don't use this or it has to be approved, they're they're using it to help them with their clinical support. And so what they're doing, me as a ER doctor, uh, a lot of my colleagues are telling me they're using it to help them with their differential diagnosis or helping them to see if they miss X and Y. Um, and, and I think I'm, when I talk to them, they're saying more, they're using it in the middle of the night when maybe they're the human side, they're fatigued, maybe they haven't slept in 20 hours and it's all muscle memory, but they want to make sure that they have something to kind of help them. Mm. Just to, to make sure we've got all this straight, could you could you kind of define for us what what actually what is ChatGPT? Do, does the healthcare industry realize what we're talking about here? No, that's an awesome question, and and I like talking in analogies. I always say, mm -hmm. think of it as this way. I think of ChatGPT as the smartest person that he or she is. I can talk to him or her twenty four seven, and I can ask any question. And AI, this ChatGPT, will always answer back. But my analogy is when this person answers back, they have a lot of pride in them and they always tell me something and it may be correct and may be wrong. And that's the part where AI, this ChatGPT makes it interesting. So think of it this way. It's a database, literally, it, could, it has basically downloaded the internet and it has gone through all this literature. The problem with this technology is uh, it can make mistakes. And if the user is not aware of some of these mistakes, then it will fall into traps and rabbit holes and, and start thinking things that may not be correct. And, and that's why I really think, I know I'm kind of rambling, but I really think we need to have a human expert in this example would be a doctor 
to be able to, to dissect through this information and say, okay, this information is right. Or you know what? This doesn't sound right. Let me research and let me backtrack and see if these things are correct. And mm -hmm. so it's a really fascinating uh, tool that we have now. Now, how does ChatGPT in particular differ from other forms of AI that we're seeing in healthcare? See, this is the, the most ironic, interesting part. Uh, ChatGPT or this tech type of technology was actually invented by Google years ago. The difference is that ChatGPT, uh, OpenAI, literally uh, went out there, got in bed with Microsoft and was able to take this to the next level. And one of the reasons I think it's so popular, it, it, it beat out Facebook and viral uh, different companies on uh, having the most members out there is because they allowed this technology for the first time to everyone in the world. And mm -hmm. even though this technology existed, it just took off because nobody had seen anything like this. And so how is it different? I personally am biased. I believe that it is the leader of the pack. Uh, there's different flavors of this type of AI. There's the thing called Claude and there's perplexity and there's uh, Pi. But at the end of the day, when I compare all of them, the ones that I really feel that are really, really good is ChatGPT because it brings so many different um, technology aspects to one website or to one platform. Hmm. Now we've talked a little bit about the benefits and I do want to get into those a little bit more. Um, a little bit more about the dangers of using it now in that uh, it's still early and uh, a lot of people don't understand how to use it. Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, on, on the positive sides, it, it, it's good. But the way I see it is if we don't have a strong educational background on how it works or the good, the bad, the ugly, then we may start going into using this technology and not realizing we're doing it wrong. One of the biggest things that I always talk about is two, two things I want to stress. One is this data has some bias in it. In other words, the information that was trained into this AI is such that um, the database may have introduced some bias into the human, so uh, from the human. So say all of us are human, we all think certain ways, we have our bias opinion, and well, that bias opinion got into the algorithm. And one of the clearest examples that I can say is, say I'm out in West Africa and I open ChatGPT and I ask it a question, well, that data has been really focused on the United States. And so mm -hmm. someone in Africa may look at it and be like, oh my God, this works. But in reality, it's the wrong population. It's, it's focused on a different type of culture, different uh, healthcare access. And now that person's seeing this information and it's kind of being showed bias information. It's really not tailored for them. The other one is this thing that we talk about is hallucination. I'll mm -hmm. give you an example. As an ER doctor, I understand emergency medicine. I know emergency medicine really well. I have 20 years of experience. But if I go into ChatGPT and I say, hey, walk me through uh, a surgery of how to take an appendix out, and it tells me how it does it, I may look at it and, yes, I'm a doctor. I've got a medical degree here in the United States. And I go through it. And I'm like, yeah, that looks 100% correct. But now here's where the hallucination goes into it. It's giving me information. It looks correct. It kind of fooled me, but now I show my best friend here that's a surgeon and she goes through it. And when she sees it, she starts laughing at me. It's like, Harvey, this is not how we do appendix. Uh, this is not how we do appendicitis. This is incorrect. This is actually maybe how we did it 20 years ago. And some of the stuff in here is absolutely wrong. And so that's a good example how this technology be really good, but 
can fool us. And that's where I'm really telling people out there, please be careful when you're using it. When I talk to doctors, I explain it and they kind of seem to understand, but I'm more worried about the consumer patients out there that really don't know this information. And they go in and like, oh, I don't need to see my doctor. I just asked ChatGPT and it'll tell me what's wrong with me. And, and I caution my patients not to do that. Yeah, essentially it's the, 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 the information that's put into ChatGPT Chat that determines how good the information coming out it will be. Correct. Yeah. Are you seeing examples of this in healthcare now? Are, are hospitals and health systems around here uh, in the U.S. using it correctly and using it incorrectly? You know, I love that question. My my biggest worry is not the big dogs like ChatGPT or OpenAI or Microsoft. I, I think uh, they they're obviously understand the HIPAA rules and understand the GDPR in Europe and um, the laws in AI, how that's going to look. I'm actually more worried about the little startup out there that thinks, oh, I could just use ChatGPT and I can create some tools for hospitals. And, and this is my biggest worry that they don't understand HIPAA. They don't understand medicine. And so I've seen some uh, unscrupulous startup companies calling their AI like it's a doctor replacement and saying, and what they don't realize is uh, when the FDA sees these startups or these uh, small companies out there, they're going to say, hey, this is now a medical device. You cannot do this. And it's going to take it, take those uh, products away. And I'm more worried about the consumer because now some consumers are thinking, oh, I can just use this app by this company and it's calling it a doctor and I don't need to see a doctor. I just, this is my tool. Now, to answer your question on how companies are doing it the correct way, I'm absolutely in love with uh, New York Tron and what they did. New York Tron and Gator Tron. And basically it's this. Uh, in New York, a group of hospitals, um, they're in a network, and they did uh, basically predictive analytics using their AI. And what I find fascinating is they use all the data that is from their, pers uh, from their population in New York and population that sees their hospital. Not every hospital is the same. Even if there's two hospitals across the street from each other, they're tailoring likely two different populations. They're seeing things differently and, and they'll, they'll do things differently and the results will be different. And so what I'm fascinated is they took, it's fascinated is they took all that data of all their patients, they entered into their own AI, and now they created a tool that is really nice in that the doctors can have this predictive analytics. And what does it do? Well, basically say I have a patient and I'm having to discharge this patient home. It literally will go back and analyze all those prior patients in that population pool and will create a, a, a data that will show me and say, hey, this particular patient falls into this uh, category. And because they fall into this category, they have an X percentage of coming back. And me as a provider now, maybe I've missed certain things and maybe I was like, whoa, I didn't think of that. So maybe I should not discharge this patient. Maybe I should keep them a few more days and let me reevaluate and see if I can now make sure they don't come back. Now, the opposite is true, too, that I could be seeing a patient and be like, no, this, this patient falls into this risk now. And now this patient can go home. And I thought, man, what a way to deliver healthcare! I mean, this is really advanced. Uh, the AI is able to go through uh, millions and millions of files and able to create a better predictive analytics to help me be a better doctor. And I'm not saying that this is going to take my job. I'm not saying that this is better than me. I'm saying put me the human plus AI is going to be better than just the human or just the AI. Using it together, we're going to get amazing results. Yeah, it's been said that AI should really stand for augmented reality rather, uh, rather than uh, 
any other trend, uh, any other description because it it augments the clinician rather than uh, aid or replacing him basically. <laughs> I agree, and and that's how I see it. Uh, I do a lot of talks on this subject, and I have this slide, and and it's AI plus human is better than just AI, and it's a nice graphical representation versus just human. And, and I think that is the key. I think we we need to use that human element. Obviously, healthcare, there's empathy. Uh, there's the untold uh, gestalt that I have when I see a patient that it's really hard to put it into an algorithm. There's times my colleagues are like, dude, how did you catch that disease? Like, how did you like come up with that diagnosis? It, nothing in the history shows it. And I'm like, well, that's the beauty. When you see the patient, when you touch the patient, when you look at their eyes, when you look at their skin color, it's really hard to interpret all that and put it into AI and have AI reproduce. And that's where I'm like, man, if I could take the strongest parts of AI plus the best parts of me having that, that clinical gestalt and put it together, man, I would be giving much, much better healthcare to my patients. Yeah. Now, it's, it sounds like that hospitals, health systems, healthcare organizations really need to be on top of the information of, of the data that's going into their AI tools. Yes, um, very well said. And and the, the, the phrase we all say is garbage in, garbage out, meaning <laughs> if you're going to put garbage information in, you're going to get garbage information out. And this is where that example that I just gave about Gatortron and Neurotron, basically, they're putting quality data in and they're getting quality data out. But here's the other part. You really need to know this information really well. Just because some AI tool looks nice and pretty and shiny doesn't mean that you just get it once and it's it's the best ever. There's this thing called data drift. And think of it this way. As I start using a tool, maybe it's great today, excuse me, but in maybe three months, six months, the data now has drifted and now has changed. And now the tool is not giving the best output. Now it actually has changed, it's drifted. And as a result, that tool may not be able to be used now. And so we need some doctor AI data scientists to be able to keep an eye on our data, uh, on our AI, to make sure that it's actually doing what it's supposed to do and that it's not drifting, that it's actually validating what it's supposed to do. And so it's kind of interesting in that a lot of startups are saying, hey, use my tool, but they're not telling you about this data drift. They're not sharing with you some of the bad things that can happen if you're not keeping an eye on this. So it's it's a it's a matter of continually uh, analyzing the data or, or understanding that data changes over time. Yes, sir. Now, with that, it 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 sounds like it's it's up to hospitals, healthcare organizations, so on and so forth to to govern the how their AI is used. Do you feel that that the healthcare will be able to do that? That these these health systems, hospitals, organizations will be able to do that, or are we going to need? You know, we we talk about. Uh, uh, Biden's AI directive from from uh, December uh, and and so on and so forth. Do we do we do we need government intervention here to make sure AI is being used properly in healthcare? You know that's a tough one um, because in my heart I want to see uh, progress. I want to see healthcare changes and and moving quickly because this this system we have. I mean to see a fax number for a hospital and saying please fax to this number. I'm thinking we should we way beyond this. We should not be faxing anything. Um, so we need to make sure that we're moving forward. Now, with that said, obviously, um, we want to make sure our patients are safe, the data is safe, that no one's getting harmed, that we're doing the right thing, and ethically, we're being responsible and, and open with the technology. Two things come to mind. One, do patients understand that AI is being used? Are they being told? The answer is, we don't know. Each hospital is different. When it comes to governance, 
um, I, I have a hard time saying yes, let's let's put the brakes on uh, from a government side because I want to make sure we're not uh, stunting growth and we're not holding back what could be actually for the good of the patient. I call it pseudo guardrails. We have HIPAA, we have best practices, and physicians and nurses and healthcare professionals are always going to be an advocate for their patient. And so if they see a technology and understand the technology that, hey, this is not going to be the best for my patients, they're going to fight at the board level. They're going to fight. I'm more concerned about hospital systems that are not consulting uh, the healthcare professionals that are just saying, no, we're, we're going with this product because it may be a solution that there's no need for, or it may be a solution that uh, doctors and nurses will not implement. They are be against it. So I feel like it has to be together. We have to have healthcare professionals at the board level, speaking with the board, speaking with the vendor and working all together to make sure that this tool is gonna do what it's supposed to do. And I think that in itself, would, uh, would we would not need this quote unquote governance again, because we have HIPAA, we have guardrails and also healthcare is very conservative. Uh, we don't just like change. Um, and so in general, I think there's always going to be these breaks anyway from healthcare professionals because they don't say, whoa, 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 this, this is nice, but I, I don't understand. Let's, let's move slow and let's do things that are easier to do that we can understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, health leaders, we had our, uh, we had our AI now virtual summit yesterday, uh, three panels, uh, focused on different aspects of healthcare. One was how, uh, hospitals and health systems, who they should have at the table to govern their AI programs, who sits there, the, the CIO, the CEO, the CFO, the physician champion, and so on and so forth. And we also talked about, you know, our hospitals and health systems, how do they determine whether they're mature enough to use uh, AI technology? It's something that I know you and I have been talking to about before, the idea that a health system might not be ready yet. Uh, or its doctors, its its clinicians don't understand the technology enough to be able to uh, use it right or use it correctly. Um, is yeah, do you see very that? Well said. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, you you were about to say, do you see? And I cut you off. I apologize. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you see this as an issue? Um, are our hospital are they jumping the gun? <laughs> I'm using AI. You know, yes and no. Um, some hospital systems. I feel like it's regional dependent slash age dependent. And I know that sounds odd to say, but if you're in Silicon Valley in California and you're at a hospital in that area, you're used to seeing all these AI tools and, and being approached by AI startups. And, and you're more likely to open it up towards if I'm in, Dal I'm in Dallas, Texas, but say you were in a rural part of Texas, those hospital systems are going to be very resistant to change or not, not going to look at these tools favorable. And so depending on what part of the population you're looking at, it will determine and also the, which vertical. For example, in radiology, everybody's fine with saying, oh, yeah, AI helped me read that CAT scan or is helping in the background. Whereas some other parts of medicine, they're like, whoa, 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 this is brand new. What, what are you talking about? And so to answer your questions, it's hard. I feel like um, hospital systems also are, yes, they want to do the, the shiny tool. Yes, they want that competitive advantage. But at the same time, um, they want to make sure that these things are best for their patients and it's going to make it a profit for their hospital or that they're going to save money. And so what's interesting to me uh, looking at this, uh, we, you know, you know, I've talked before about this legal aspect. You know, it's, I feel like it's damn if you do, damn if you don't, in that if I use AI, I could be sued. 
And if I don't use AI, I could be sued depending on the situation. So it's really interesting times as we move forward, because uh, to give you a, a case point, uh, one of my colleagues has this cool AI tool at his ER, and it's basically um, if someone comes in with stroke-like symptoms, the AI will literally read the CAT scan before the radiologist has had a chance to look at it. And then in real time, we'll text the doctor, the radiologist saying, hey, I saw signs of a stroke, here's possibly a bleed. And then it pushes that file up quicker so that the human can look at it and say, yep, I confer. But the nice part is in that small lag time between the AI and the human actually reading it, the ER doctor now knows that, hey, it saw it. And now the ER doctor himself or her can look at the scan and can actually jump on this and call the radiologist or call whoever needs to be done to start the intervention for a stroke. Now, here's the legal question. If a hospital across the street doesn't have this technology and a patient comes out with a bad outcome, those lawyers can say, hey, had you had this AI, my patient would have lived or would not have these symptoms now. And so it's going to be really interesting. The other side of the coin is um, the AMA is out there, American Medical Association is out there saying, hey, Hospital systems are adapting AI and not letting doctors in on part of the decision. And us as healthcare professionals, we don't we want to be part of this AI decision. We don't want a tool just thrown at us and not know what it does and the good, the bad, and the unknown. And so it's really interesting how this technology is moving so quickly. And we haven't even talked about FDA, FDA how they're looking at this as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the. the the idea of it, yeah, we we kind of before the idea of the federal government getting involved in this, but the FDA certainly is is, is focusing on uh, device makers, uh, vendors, uh, companies that are coming out with it. But yeah, how are hospitals and health systems uh, managing their own AI tools? I mean, some of the bigger ones are partnering with with the giants, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, in developing these AI uh, capabilities and programs. Others, smaller ones, I mean, there's it, it sounds like some of them are really going by the seat of their pants. Exactly. And I, I'm a big advocate of education. I'm going mm. out there helping hospitals, doing uh, hospital retreats and just working with healthcare professionals, teaching them how to use these tools. But more importantly, explaining to the C-suite, OK, here are the tools. This is what's out there that you could do on your own. And then due to beta, uh, data breaches and whatnot, uh, I'm actually helping companies create their own AI and put it inside their hospital servers. That way it's not going out to the cloud. That way it's inside their clouds, their information, and able to create tools that just helps their particular hospital. Let's, uh, you know, we're, we're nearing the end of this podcast here. Let's take a little bit of look into the future. How do you see this evolving in, say, the next, well, the way things are going so fast, five years might be too much, but, but how, how will uh, ChatGPT evolve over the next five years? No, this is great. Um, I think the evolution of this is going to blow people's mind. Um, I, I see the following, and I don't even think it'll be five years from now. I, I could see it in the next two um and here's my concept. Um, given all the technology that's out there, given how fast, there's different verticals. And so if you could think of it as combining everything. So ChatGPT has invested a lot of money into different parts of AI. One of them is quite interesting. They're putting money into robots. And in the near future, when that robot's out, imagine the eyes of the robot using power of ChatGPT. We currently have four, but imagine it using five. And what does that mean? This technology already exists, but basically it's this. This camera that I'm looking at, it's on my computer, can actually tell you my blood pressure, 
my average sugar, which is my hemoglobin A1C, can actually predict if I'm about to have Alzheimer or have, have Alzheimer's or uh, Parkinson's disease, and it can actually detect if I'm depressed, if I'm tending towards depression, and it can see all these things. Imagine that in the eyes of the robot, and imagine, let's say I'm taking a look at you, Eric, and we're talking, and I say to my robot, hey, what is Eric's average sugar? And without having to use for you to go to the lab, it's actually doing it. It's actually looking at you and say, oh, his average sugar is this. And so imagine a world in the near future that my poor healthcare professionals, uh, the average nurse age they're saying is somewhere around uh, 57, I'm sorry, uh, 47 years old or aging populations. Imagine a world where now I can have a robot help be my assistant. Um, maybe I have a bad back, maybe my nurse has a bad back. Now the robot can help assist my patient to get out of bed, help them go to the bathroom or her. Um, the other thing in the near future, this technology exists. Um, say uh, as an ER doctor and say you needed an emergency, I can print medication at your house and now I can start printing it. Um, when you go home and your this product's out and you are peeing or defecating, it can analyze that in your own home and give me a report over 3,000 different metabolites to tell me, hey, this is what's going on or possibly catch disease or changing your medications. I mean, the things that are about to hit, I don't know if we're even are ready for, but I know this will be here. Yeah, you're really jumping ahead with that. I was just thinking like clinical decision support and and some of the tools <laughs> that are coming out now. Note taking, uh, uh, Kaiser Permanente just did a study on a, on an ambient AI platform and a scribe basically that that oh, yeah. transcribed the notes of a doctor patient relationship and and really it, they found that the doctors still had to go back and make some corrections in the notes, which indicates that the technology is not there yet, but. But I, I think this points to the idea that it's it's evolving so fast that five years down the road you're going to start seeing these things and yes. and, and it's 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 going to be a fascinating trip. <laughs> yeah, I'll be able to throw away my keyboard because I won't need to look away from my patient. I can actually have a conversation with my patient, and and the AI can give me a report saying, you know what, your patient may have lied when he or she she said X Y because the tone changed, and here's why. Maybe you might not follow up and ask these questions a little carefully again because. This is what happened. Maybe we're getting really close to that Star Trek tricorder finally. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Harvey, this has been a great conversation. Thank you very much for, for joining us today. Thank you. And it's been an honor. I appreciate your time. Okay. And thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We will be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.